Jeremiah chapter 32. We began a number of weeks ago in a series we're calling Finishing Strong. And like Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, as he was coming to the end of his life and ministry on earth, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And whether you're talking about finishing a year, just like you and I are about to do in these next few days, or you're finishing a race, or even finishing your life on this earth, what's important is, number one, yes, finishing. You don't want to quit along the way. But number two, you don't want to just finish. You want to finish how, church? Now, when the answer to the question is the word strong, it matters how you say it. So you're not just, just interested in finishing. You, you want to finish how, church? Strong. That's better. That's better. You want to finish strong. Now, the thing is, take, for example, the time we're in right now, coming to the end of a year. And like I said, whether it's the end of a year or the end of a race, it's easy to not have the same strength at the end that you started with. These bodies that we have, they're natural, they're flesh, they're subject to a lot of stuff in this world. And they don't have an infinite amount of strength. They need rest, they need fuel. But we all come to different times and places in our lives where we don't, we're not operating with the same strength we were days, weeks, months before. But the good news is, as believers, people who know Jesus, people who take God at His word... We have access to this other strength. When this natural strength runs out, we've got access to what kind of strength? Supernatural strength. And I don't care really how strong you are physically, and that's a good thing to be. We, all, we would all want to be stronger physically. It's better to be stronger than to be weaker, of course. But no matter how strong you are physically, we can find the end of that strength. It's not hard. Even the strongest among us who eat all the right stuff and, and work out just the right amount and fuel their body and they're just, you know, muscles stacked on top of muscles. And yeah, maybe they can lift a whole lot, but we can find the end of it. How do you find the end of it? Just keep adding to it. You'll find it. You and I come to the end of our physical strength pretty quickly. It's a good thing to be physically strong. It's a good thing to be mentally strong. I mean, it's much better to be mentally strong than it is to be mentally weak, so that's great. But even our mental strength, we can find the end of that. Even the brainiest people among us, so-called geniuses, so educated and brilliant and just seems like there's no end to their knowledge, but that's not true. We can find the end of their mental capacity and ability. We can find the end of that strength. It's a good thing to be financially strong. I heard one yes. I'll say it again, give you another opportunity. It's a good thing to be financially strong. It's a good thing. Is it better to be financially strong or financially weak? Well, stronger is better. You know that. That's not, that's not a hard question. But even people who look as though they've got the most, you know, there's stacks of cash in the bank and the investments are producing and their businesses are, you know, world changing and, and there's billions upon billions. Okay, great. We can find the end of that. I mean, think of the wealthiest person you know of 
And you would think to yourself, there's nothing they can't do. Oh, we can find it. We can find it. Just keep pushing. Just keep adding something to it, and you will find the end of their financial strength. What am I telling you? What I'm saying is you and I can come to the end of our own strength, and we can get there in a hurry. Whether it's physical, mental, financial, whatever it is, we can find the end of our own strength. So what do we do when we have found the end of our own strength? Well, we got to start tapping into some supernatural strength. we got to start accessing some God-strong kind of strength. And that's why he said, our God never sleeps, he never slumbers. The Bible says that he does not grow weary, he does not faint. Now, here's the good news. The good news is he gives power to the faint. He increases strength to who? Those who have no might. You could say it like this. He increases strength to those who have come to the end of their own strength. Now, one of the ways we access that strength is being quick to acknowledge, I'm at the end of mine, Lord. So you can keep faking it all you want to. You can keep faking, oh, I'm strong, and I can handle more, and I can handle more, and I can handle more. Oh, I'm mentally strong. There's nothing I can't figure out. There's, there's no problem I can't solve. I'm so financially strong that there's no need I can't meet. Well, as long as you are pretending that, then you are keeping this God strength at an arm's distance from you. One of the first and easiest ways to access this supernatural strength when you've come to the end of your own is to say, I've come to the end of my own. To acknowledge it. And to acknowledge that you're in need of him. Anybody in here today willing to acknowledge, yeah, I'm in need. I'm in need of my God. I'm in need of my Savior. Yeah. Well, you're on your way to accessing this, this strength. Look at this in Jeremiah chapter 32. The reason we're talking about this is I, I know in my own life personally, and I got a sense in my spirit about where we were as a family coming into this part of the year, that there were many of us in need of this, in need of a, a dose of this supernatural strength. And I've got some things to say to you that I think will tie into the season we're in, Christmas time. But I don't think it's a traditional Christmas message. And I tried my hardest. <laughs> I did, man. I was looking at all the Christmas scriptures and I thought, I just, Lord, just give me something sweet. I just want something sweet and Christmassy. And he's like, no, here, have this. So we got to go with what he said. Jeremiah chapter 32. Look at verse 17. And we'll have this on the screen for you. Jeremiah 32, 17. This is the prophet Jeremiah speaking. And he said, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Say this next part with me. There is nothing too hard for you. Say that part again. There is Nothing too hard for you. This is such a powerful verse. And it's actually one I want you to put in your pocket. Don't leave this verse in the sanctuary today, you hear me? Take this one with you. I want you carrying this verse around with you to the end of the year and on into the next one. Because you and I will bump up against some stuff that's too hard for us. You and I are going to run into some things... And we're going to come to the end of our own strength pretty quick. 
Whether, again, it's physical, mental, financial, anything. But this is when you're going to have to reach into your pocket and pull out Jeremiah 32, 17 that says, There is, say it with me, nothing too hard for you. Man, my message to you this morning is simple. What is it? There is nothing too hard for the Lord. What a powerful verse. It's not only a powerful verse, it's a funny one. Now, to get the humor in it, you'd have to go back and read everything that was going on around it. But without taking time to dig into all that, Jeremiah, of course, is speaking to the Lord. And this is how he begins the prayer. Ah, Lord, behold, you have made the heavens with your great power and the earth with your outstretched arm. Did anybody sing that song growing up in church? Ah, Lord God, that, that was one of ours in church. It always makes me think of that, being a kid growing up in church. But this is what Jeremiah is saying. That you did all this. You made the, the heavens with your power. You made the earth with your outstretched arm. There's nothing too hard for you. Now, this is how the prayer starts. But what's funny about it is it's a prayer in response to some things God told Jeremiah to do that looked completely impossible. Anybody ever experienced that with the Lord? Where he's given you an assignment, given you an instruction. And you look back, or you step back and you look at it and you go, there's no way. How, how in the world? I'm, I'm trying to think of a good example. Let, let's say there was a, maybe a, a youngish married couple living in Texas. And the Lord said, I want you to move your family and your ministry up to the mountains of Colorado. And I want you to buy this big old building and all this land. And it's going to cost millions of dollars. That's just something off the top of my head. You ever been there where you just step back and you look at what the Lord said do and the first thought is, how in the world? That's what was going on with Jeremiah. Now we can learn a lesson from him. This is how you pray when the Lord says do something that you know you can't do. This is how you pray. Ready? Ah, Lord God, behold. You made the heavens with your great power. You made the earth with your outstretched arm. There's nothing too hard for you. How in the world are we going to do this? <laughs> this is what's going on in this prayer. The Lord had given him something that looked like an impossibility to him. And the funny part comes a little bit later, just a few verses later. After Jeremiah has said, you've done all these wonderful things, you're, you're so powerful, you've rescued us. He kind of re rehearses the, the nation of Israel's history and all the great things the Lord's done for him. And then he gets to the part of his prayer, I was like, Lord, how am I going to do this? The Lord had told him to go buy some land, just like I was talking about us coming up here buying land. That's what the Lord told him to do. And he thought, how am I going to do it? It's in the hands of the enemy. There's no way. And and. Because he started his prayer with, nothing's too hard for you, even though he ended it with, this seems like it's too hard, God spoke back to him in Jeremiah 32, 27 and said, behold, I am the Lord God of all flesh. Notice this, is there anything too hard for me? Isn't this a funny conversation back and forth? Nothing too hard for you. Yeah, that's right. Nothing too hard for me. That's what God says to him. We're going to look at this scripture in a little more detail here in just a few minutes. But Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Don't turn there. Just listen to it. Jesus looked at his disciples, was speaking to them, and he said, With men, this is impossible. 
But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Here's another one I want you taking with you today when you leave. What was the first one? Nothing is too hard for the Lord. What else are you taking with you? With God, all things are possible. I'm telling you that, and I believe the Lord is telling us that, because perhaps even before this year is over, you might run into some stuff that looks impossible. And you come to the end of your own strength, whether it's your own strength physically, your own ability to figure it out, or you come to the end of your own strength financially, Lord, how are we going to pay for that? I hear you want us to do it. I, I, I understand, but how? How? This is what you need to reach into your pocket and pull out right here. With God, all things are possible. I'm just simply reminding you this morning, this is our God. He is the God who specializes in what men call impossibilities. As a matter of fact, I think he loves those more than anything else. And there are some people that, that are like that. There are some people, crazy enough, that they love it the moment somebody says it can't be done. I got anybody like that in here? You actually thrive on that. You love it when somebody says to you, you can't do that. It's like, well, I wasn't going to, but you told me I can't, and so now I'm going to. But you and I, and maybe even some among us right now, throughout life at various times, we stare down the barrel of impossible situations, don't we? We, we come face to face with some stuff that looks bigger than us, badder than us, stronger than us. And just at a cursory glance and looking at it from the natural perspective, we look at it and say, man, there is nothing that can be done about that. People are being handed these impossible situations every day. Some people are being handed impossible situations by doctors. And they're being told, there's nothing that can be done. But honestly, you know, if some of these so-called professionals were honest, they would maybe change what they're saying and they'd say, there's nothing more I can do. Doesn't necessarily, there's, that doesn't necessarily mean there's nothing more that can be done. You've just come to the end of their ability. But that's okay. That's not a reason to be upset with somebody. That's not a reason to stand up and fight with somebody. That's just your cue to go access some of this God strength. To go access some of this God ability that he's made available to you. And what Jesus said here was that with men... It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. What does it mean to be with men? What does it mean to be with God? Well, listen to it from the Weist translation. I don't think we have this one for the screen. So just listen to this. Matthew 19, 26, out of the Weist translation. Jesus, having turned his eyes upon them, upon his disciples, having considered them, said to them, in the presence of men. As men look at this, it's impossible. What does it mean to be either with men or with God? Well, this makes it very clear. What it means to be with men, he's saying, is to be in the presence of men. As men look at it, it's impossible. 
Whatever impossibility you're facing now or the one that's coming later. Oh, pastor, don't say that. <laughs> I'm not prophesying. This is called living on earth. Whether it's an impossible situation right now or one coming in the next year, as long as you stay in the presence of men on that, you are going to see it the way men see it. As long as you just stay, stay so limited in, in the way you're looking at it, this is what the professional said, this is what the person with the experience said, and this is what the person with the knowledge said, and so that must be the way it is. What, what's happening? You're in the presence of men, and because you're in their presence, you start seeing it the way they see it. This is happening all the time. I said, this is happening all the time. I've been married to this woman over 15 years now. I have been with Sarah over 15 years now. And you know what's happened in that amount of time? I see things the way she sees things. She sees things the way I see things. It's the result of time spent in each other's presence. Not just a fleeting Time, not just a minute or two here and there. This is the result of day after day after day, year after year, and a perspective shift takes place. Maybe I used to see things one way, but after my time with her, I see things a different way. She might have seen things differently, but because of the time that we've spent in each other's presence, she sees things the way I see things. To the point now where... We could have something come up at work, here at the church, in the office, in the ministry, and maybe, maybe I'm out of town. Maybe I'm nowhere near, and she's got to make a decision, and typically it'd be something we would talk about, but because of whatever situation, she's got to make that call. I could tell you with 100% confidence, that woman not only speaks for herself, but she speaks for me. We see things the same way. What's that the result of? Time in each other's presence. As long as you only have earthly influences, as long as, as, long as all you're doing is Googling the problem, you're just going to see it the way other men see it. And it will remain impossible. It will remain too big, too bad, too strong, too expensive for you. But Jesus said, yeah, with men, it can't be done. But what? With God, all things are possible. So what do you think it means to be with God? Well, Jesus said it like this. In the presence of men, as men look at this, it's impossible. But in the presence of God, as he looks at this, all things are possible. The same thing happens to you. When you get in the presence of God, you used to see things one way. But all of a sudden, after time with him, after hearing from him, after his word being poured in you, you're going, wait a second. I'm having a perspective shift here. And what used to look so big, I'm comparing it now to my great bigger God. And this thing doesn't look near as big as it used to. You're seeing it, not only, not only seeing the problem, now you're seeing it the way he sees it which is a shift. This is what you need church for. This is what we need to create an atmosphere of faith for. 
before we ever opened the doors on day one of this church, our vision for this place was to create such an atmosphere of faith that somebody could come in off the street facing an impossible situation and they just step into this atmosphere. Not even having anybody say something specific about what's going on in their life. Nobody saying, do this, turn this key, take that step. No, they just come into an atmosphere of faith and all of a sudden they go, wait a second, it can be done. Wait a second, it's not too big. It's not too big for my God, which means it's not too big for me. That's what happens when you come into an atmosphere like this, full of faith, full of love. You see things differently. Now, the reason I bring this up, or I should say I believe the Lord's bringing this up, specifically concerning the season that we're in right now, celebrating Christmas, is never had there been a more impossible situation. Mankind, we had gotten ourselves into a mess. And the condition we were in was not the will of God for us, but to rescue us out of it, we were going to need a Savior. And the Savior had to be a man, but he was going to have to be born of incorruptible seed and not corruptible seed. So how do you do that? Well, go back to the book of Luke, chapter 1 with me. And we're going to read several verses around in this. But look at what the angel of the Lord said to Mary in verse 37, after, after Gabriel had told her what was coming, prophesied to her about Jesus being born, in verse 37, listen to what the angel said. For with God, what? Nothing will be impossible. What makes an impossible thing possible? It's being with God on it. Now, there's something we need to add to this right here. There is a pretty common misconception, I think, about God. I don't think you could find a self-proclaimed Christian anywhere in the world that would disagree with the statement that nothing's too hard for God. With God, all things are possible. But there's a misconception, I think, in that, that just because all things are possible... I think people have taken that to mean all things are easy. Are you hearing me? They think, well, with God, all things are possible, which means all things are easy. And I get why people would say that. You know, we've already talked about it. He's got strength that doesn't run out. He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't faint and so on. But yet you see things through the scriptures that actually required what the Bible called the working of his mighty power. Does that sound like it was easy? Does that sound like it was just nonchalant, just another day in heaven? No. To raise Jesus from the dead, the Bible says, required the working of his mighty power. So all things are possible doesn't necessarily mean all things are easy. So what would make something hard for God? Now, we know there's nothing too hard, but what would make it hard for God? If he's got all this strength, all this power, all this endless ability, what is it that would make something hard for God? Well, 
things aren't hard because, you know, Satan's so powerful. No, that's not it. The Bible says that Jesus cast out demons with the finger of God. God's got more power in his pinky than Satan has in his entire being and all his demons and whatever. So things are, wouldn't be hard for God because, you know, the enemy is strong. What could make something hard for God? The only thing I think that could make anything hard for God is that he requires our cooperation. And that has proven to be, at times, a near impossibility throughout human history. For him to do anything in our lives or in the earth, it requires human participation and cooperation. It requires people who are willing to lay themselves aside, to empty themselves of their own will, to do what he wants, to do it how he wants, to do it where he wants and when he wants. And finding people like that, I think, has proven to be a very difficult job for God. What makes something hard for God? He needs you and I to cooperate. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.